0: On Sunday we uh, looked at the importance of yeah. striving to make an effort to make proper interpretation of, of the Bible but you know this class is all about the importance of studying the Bible but it's not merely learning about knowing the Bible uh, or how it came into its being or or the history of, of translations and all that kind of good stuff or even how to study it what's more important I think is learning how to apply the Bible to our lives I mean that really is the core of Bible study um real understanding of God's Word only comes when we apply the words God's words to our lives Um, and I said in here learning moral and spiritual truths without a plan is like eating without any digestion taking place if you can comprehend that eating without any digestion what would be the benefit nothing so (laughs) that I think is a good comparison for the importance of of studying God's Word is as I also said in our lesson and does anybody need a copy of the material that we're looking at tonight lesson two God's Word does not suggest anything to us he tells us um, there are no pleases in God's Word he doesn't plead with us everything that is presented really is a choice choice that we have to make but the conclusion as I said in 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 the text I gave you was that obedience is the key to complete biblical knowledge it's important to know um, God's Word but more importantly it is obedience that is really uh, the key and if we can't see that in studying God's Word of the importance of obedience and I can tell you we've missed something rather big here God's plan for the Christian is a life of betterment is there anybody here that doesn't believe that God's Word calls for a conscious effort for self-improvement is there anybody in here that doesn't want to improve themselves I don't think we could talk to anybody that wouldn't have some element of wanting to improve themselves Um, in anybody at any state in their life or whatever they're into I don't think you would find one that doesn't want to make some kind of see the need for self-improvement so therefore that tells us that we should be striving Become a better person. Um, Does the Bible help us do that? Absolutely. It does. It does. Uh, Reading the Bible encourages uh, personal excellence, and if one is not getting that from reading it and studying it, then something is sorely amiss so You know,
1: with, with people always wanting to try to better themselves, usually it's always, well, I want to better myself in this way. That's the goal I want to get to, so I'm going to go read this book, or whatever it is. The Bible is wonderful in the fact that it, it's encapsulated in it gives us what our perfect goal is, and also the way to get to it, all in one book. So it's kind of the end result and how to get there, as opposed to, hmm, I want to be better in Sales, so I'm going to go read this book. This, I take all these different paths. It's nice to know the one who created us has given us the end goal and also the path to it <laughs> the ultimate plan, yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah, the ultimate plan and made it achievable <laughs> and makes it achievable because it gives it purpose. Mm-hmm.
1: And to build off of that, there's from probably all but
2: most. Of those things that you're obtaining, there's examples of people who tried to do it their way or another way without God and failed. So there's There's examples, and then there's positive examples too of people who did follow God's will and it worked for them.
0: Good point. Very good point. Any others? I have
1: one. Well, and comparing it like to the world's self-help books that are written by man, not inspired. Um, we know that it's the, the true book for everybody. Because we've all been created by God. He knows no matter what level of, of any, your skill, your talents, your whatever, it's for everyone. It's not like, well, I read that book, but that one really didn't apply to me, or that was above my pay grade, you know. you know. To, it's the book for everyone, because God created it.
0: I just wish everyone could see that, yeah. that it was a book for everyone. Um, because in, in my estimation, the most revealing agent in the Bible is self-discovery, <coughs> finding out who you really are. And I, I think I said this Sunday, that if you, if you really take this book seriously, the, the, what's the number one thing it points out to us that we are? Sinners. For somebody to really have a desire to self-improve, at least in using God's Word for self-improvement, having that mindset that you're a sinner uh, will just open up God's Word that much more significantly. (coughs) And the goal of self-improvement kind of makes itself uh, evident. That's essential to self-improvement, to know who you are, what you are. I don't care if you're reading anybody's book about self-improvement. It's still going to take an element of analysis of yourself to see what you need to do to make any kind of improvement, any self-improvement. Let's turn to James chapter (coughs) 1. We're going to look at verses 23 through 25. And Tom, could I get you to read James chapter 1, verses 23 through 25?
3: Do you want 22 included in that? Yeah, you could do that,
0: because it fits. But be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it, and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. What are those verses really telling us? You
1: can't just talk and talk and
2: the
0: law. you got to walk the walk. You The walk. What else does it tell us?
3: Keep examining yourself.
0: There you go. How do you get that idea? (coughs) The mirror. The man in the mirror. And when we say man, we're not looking just the (laughs) man, it's everybody. We have a tendency when you're looking yourself in the mirror, you can leave it just like that and can't even remember what you look like. (laughs) But what is and again the importance of that is to look at yourself to see yourself for what you really you really are. And once you see yourself for what you really are, um, what are we to strive to do for self-improvement <coughs> to be doers of God's word versus what? Here's only? here is also here or only. <coughs> You can hear all you want. You can study and understand all you want. You could become the best theologian of God's Word. And what good does that do you, Don? Regardless of what level you are, you are still an unprofitable
3: servant. And there is continual need to improve. And the only place you can find what you need to improve on is looking into the mirror and comparing
0: yourself to what you see in the book, exactly. And what should we be comparing ourselves to? Who should we be comparing ourselves to? Yes. Christ. Christ.
2: I kind of want to add to it a little bit. So we look at the scriptures and we see how fallen we are. And but we also see a God that loved us enough to give us a way out through Jesus. And I think those two, because I think if you look in the Bible and you just see your sin, you're hopeless. Like, it's, it's a very hopeless thing. I cannot be perfect. But God had a son who was perfect, who died for my imperfections. And I think that is what causes the self-reflection, is because God has forgiven me, of the things that I fall short on and I'm working to improve on. And because of that love, I'm willing to improve. I'm willing to see where I need to go. I'm willing to read the book of James and be incredibly humbled with all of the challenges he gives. Specifically with the tongue for those of us who like to chit chat. (laughs) But, But it's because of the recognition of my failures and God's forgiveness and love via his son that I'm willing to
0: How hard is that to do? <clears throat> it's not easy, is it? What's that song
3: that uh, country folk used to sing? It's hard to be humble when you're perfect in every way.
0: That's <laughs> a <laughs> 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 A few
3: folks who've got some, some visions of grandeur that are totally undeserved. And <laughs> yeah. sometimes I think it's hard to of ourselves.
0: It is. I've known people that have carried (coughs) burdens as a Christian even after they were baptized and and the sins or sins were forgiven that they just still feel a tremendous amount of guilt. And that isn't right. It's not it's not healthy. Um, Part of The purpose of becoming a Christian and when we were baptized, we recognized that we were not perfect. We're still not perfect, but we have some kind of protection. But what we what to get that protection, what do we need to be doing? We need to be studying God's word, finding out what we need to do and do it. Mike, did you have a comment?
4: I was just gonna say real quick. um, the study of Job, if you take out his friends, because they really don't help him, but if you're looking for introspective and in what it is, Job breaks down a lot of his life. He says, I did this. This is how I was. This is how I treated people. This is the format in which I live. This is how I sacrificed to God. This is how I prayed." It's a, it's a self-look at himself until God comes. Of course, he then gets to where he says I want to plead my case to God but he goes through the whole thing and God allows him to do that to go through and say each one of those things and he commits it to God uh, almost every chapter he says it's because of God it's because God does this it's because I do this for God and so when he's when he's even in his state as he's examining himself that self examination and everything that he does it's because of God
0: And that's a good point.
4: Verse 25, how
0: are we to look at ourselves? It's difficult. Because you have to have pure truth, basically. Yeah. It says to look intently at the perfect law. You know, I I do a lot of thinking. And And I'm convinced that the number one problem mankind has is this. I heard it. <laughs> hmm. Is it not? Mm-hmm. And what I think God's Word typically is striving to do with us is to take this typical attitude of all mankind and do what with it? Selfless.
2: Selflessness. Selflessness.
0: is in uh, there. But selflessness. (laughs) If we're not looking at at this, what is God's word trying to tell us that we should focus upon? One him, but who else? Others. Others. And if we were to strive for self-improvement, could that not be a good focus for improving ourselves? Absolutely. So let me turn to Proverbs chapter 4 and verse
4: 23. Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it springs the issues of life.
0: Hmm. There's a key word in that verse. Diligence. Hmm. Diligence. No. All diligence. All. All. No. Oh, keep
3: your heart. What? Keep your heart.
0: There's part of the key. The key word is heart. Bible knowledge typically does what? What does it play with? The mind but taking it from the mind where does it need to go it needs to go to the heart this needs to go to the heart and one cannot do what this needs to tells us to do until that until that happens
4: read that again mike so keep your heart with all diligence for out of it spring the issues of life how important is the heart
0: for out of it what
3: springs the issues of life
0: springs the issues of life i don't know about you but i find that pretty profound so if we want to be good then we got to work at at the heart and get rid of this idea of self, focus on God, focus on others. I think that's kind of the key. So let me look up Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 14.
1: Okay, let's look.
3: Since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the
0: heavens. Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. (coughs) I don't want to give you the wrong verse. Look at, read verse 12, I'm sorry. (coughs) For the Word of God is living and
3: active, sharper than a two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart.
0: does that strike you I like
2: verse 13. that one shakes
0: me to my core that verse right there
2: one well, Adam to 13 and no creature is hidden from his sight but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account <clears throat>
0: yeah I mean the idea that the Word of God can cut <laughs> and divide the soul and the spirit I can't comprehend that can anybody help me comprehend that but it's very important and the word is living it's active it needs to be a part of our everyday being our existence Because it says the Word of God is able to do what?
2: Touch the thoughts and intentions of
0: the heart. Oh. Who knows the thoughts and intentions of our heart? Sometimes we don't even know our own thoughts and intentions. Bingo. We We don't. (coughs) But if anyone knows more than anyone else, it's you. Thoughts and intentions of the heart. Some of the deepest secrets that we think we have are not that secret. Not to God, anyway. And um, I don't know about you, but I have heavy underlying those words, thoughts, and intentions, to draw my attention to that, to that verse. God's word will cut, it will prick. And you know why a lot of people don't want to listen to it or hear anything from it? Because they don't want to be cut, because they don't want to be pricked. Do not lay these rules on me to tell me how I should be living my life. And what drives that thought? Selfishness. I want to do it my way I want to do what I want to do the idea that God's Word can discern our thoughts and our intents that should that should grab our attention attention the cutting power of God's Word will cut the heart and if it cuts the heart what does it do with our thinking Will it change it? <laughs> Should it change it? <laughs> yes.
3: Should change it. Philippians two fifteen, Paul uses the word attitudes. and he's speaking about you know himself and others, and and you might look at Paul and say, well, he's perfect, you no, know, but he says he's imperfect, right there in the beginning of verse twelve, coming on down here. But the the whole idea that he's talking about here is those of us who are more mature, and the word more is not in the English version. Those of us who are more mature still have got to press on toward that goal. And he says, if anyone has another attitude than this, God will make it known to him. And the way He makes it known is through the Word. So, regardless of what we think about ourselves, regardless of what we think of others, any attitude that we have that is not correct, any thinking of the
0: mind that is not correct, it can be changed by the scriptures. It can. It can. But it can only if what? <clears throat> you know, if we allow it to. If we get it here where it needs to be in our heart. Um, so, it'll. Change the way we think. So as one's thinking improves, will not one's lives be refined and beautified and changed? How many of you feel that since you've become a Christian, that you have changed? I'm not seeing very many hands here. I would hope they would all go thought It was rhetorical. Yeah, it was. It should have it should have changed us. If you think back about where you were at, what you did or whatever it is, it should be should have changed you. You should be a different person today than what you were. And are we done? Is what Don said changing? No. It, it's a constant it constantly goes on. Get somebody to read Jeremiah chapter
1: 23 verse 29. Can we read Nine. Yes. It is not my word like fire, declares the Lord, and like a hammer which shatters a rock. That's
0: a question. <laughs> It's not my word like fire what does fire do? It changes'll <laughs> it'll change it'll change things and it's like a hammer which shatters a rock but have you ever heard the term hardened heart? What can change that hardened heart? God's word. Only if we allow it to do. And you see where God's hammer can take it at hardened heart and bang. Just change it, break it. it can if we allow it to. The
2: fire is consuming and it can but it's also purifying.
0: It is purifying. Yeah, it is. But it it'll change. <laughs> it'll change the, it'll change things rather quick. But with that instantaneous change, you know, I, I hate forest fires. We've got that big fire going on. I, I can daily look out there to uh, the mountains and, and see the smoke, and I just, I shudder uh, when I go through an area where a fire has gone through because it's just so devastating. And you'll never see in your lifetime that area look like it did before there was a fire. But you know what, it never takes it to the fair ground. it never stays that way, it will always be some some growth where we go up in the white mountains up there where that big fire was a number of years i forget how many years ago it was it's amazing to go back there every year you realize the pine trees will never come in my lifetime but you know what's growing (laughs) is the uh, what's the green the tree that's heavy in chicago or colorado aspens aspens and it's amazing when you go look at them from year to year how much growth those aspens uh, go and they're prolific I mean they weren't even there before but now all of a sudden God's creation says we're going to put aspens up but the aspens need to come before the pine trees get a chance to take hold Now, the language
3: that Jeremiah is using here the people at the time would have understood it they go down there by the Dead Sea and they dig up the ore it's rock you can't really see the good stuff until the hammer smashes it, breaks it apart, and the fire comes along and gets the good stuff out. That's why I'm saying these prophets that are misusing my words and lying about my words, I'm going to separate.
0: Them. <laughs> good point. <coughs> so if we want, if we want the impurities of the heart removed, to have the heart refined, what do we got to do? purpose of this class to encourage you to study God's Word to read the Bible if we want our heart softened if we want it tenderized what do we have to do we still have to study and read you know God's Word
1: one of the things, uh, the previous scripture that you had it it says abide in and what that is you know, it, it's a almost like a baptism, and it's you're in it, you're fully immersed in it. You know, you can kind of dance around the scriptures on the outside, but that's not going to change you. It. It's once you actually like dive into it and you you're abiding in it. It's like you abide in your home, you're inside your home. I mean, you have to get in it and walk in it and live in it for it to truly have its effect. Yeah, we got to got to work on the noggin, and then the noggin
0: work, you know put it put it to the heart. Proverbs twenty three, seven, Solomon said, For as he thinks within himself, that is, as man thinks in himself, so he is. Everybody turn there to Proverbs twenty three. Context of which that thought is there. Do not eat the bread of a selfish man or desire his delicacies, for as he thinks within himself, so he is. He says to you, eat and drink, but his heart is not with you. You will vomit up the morsel you have eaten and waste your compliments. Well, let me give you a, a comparison of what that is kind of saying. I'm going to pick on you. If you were to ask me to come over to your house and stay overnight, and you told me you could have anything you want to eat that's in the refrigerator, okay? So I take you up on that offer. I go into your refrigerator and I eat something. The next day, you discover that I have eaten something out of your refrigerator. And now you go and complain to everyone here. Can you believe what Rick did? He went into my refrigerator and ate my food. Now you hear about it through the grapevine. What's his problem? <laughs> what's what's it saying here? Because of the comparison to that idea is right there in what we just read. What was this man's problem? Here. He was a miser. miser. He was stingy. And he and uses that example of, of, of you're making the offer, but then when somebody takes you up on the offer, it where's your heart with that issue? It's, it's not in the right place, is it? Not in the right place at all. And then to go and spread <laughs> the rumor about what I did, without people getting my side of the story, but he said I could do that. It, you see how it can make the issues happen? So I hope you can see, as you think within ourselves, so we are. You know, Jesus said the same thing in Matthew chapter six. He'll turn over there in verse 21. Jesus said a little differently. He
4: said, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Well, just to back up a little bit. Okay. So Matthew 15, Jesus also said, since you brought up eating and the foolish man, the miser. Jesus says in Matthew 15, he says, don't you understand whatever enters the mouth, goes in the stomach, and is eliminated? Those things which proceed out of the mouth come from the heart, and they defile the man, out of the heart proceeds evil thoughts. And then he goes and talks to God. And he calls them hypocrites. He says, don't you understand this simple saying? Yeah. So, And right. then if we tie that into what God told Israel in Deuteronomy 6 and I think it's 5. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart. And then Jesus comes back and uses it again. in 2 and 2, I think Matthew and Luke both record it. Love your Lord your God with all your heart. Put your and go with the train. Where are where is your heart? Yeah. And what's proceeding
0: out of it? And let, let me just give you a good example of that.
4: Money follows
0: uh, the central belief of the um, the heart. Look to at Matthew. Turn over to Matthew 19. I'm going to read you a count there, and you're going to be familiar with this count. Matthew 19, starting in verse and all the way down through verse 23. And someone came to him, that is Jesus, and said, Teacher, what good things shall I do that I may obtain eternal life? And he said to him, that is Jesus, said to him, Why are you asking me about what is good? There is only one who is good, but if you wish to enter into life, keep the commandments. And he said to him, Which ones? And Jesus said, you shall not commit murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, honor your father and mother, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. The young man said to him, all these things I have kept, what am I still lacking? Jesus said to him, if you wish to be complete, go and sell your possessions and give it to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come, follow me. When the young man heard this statement, he went away grieving, for he was one who owned much property. And Jesus said to his disciples, Truly I say to you, it's hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven.
4: What's he telling
0: us there with that story, with that account? Why is that recorded for us to see? What was this young man's problem? where was his heart
4: it was in the world
0: he was more concerned about his wealth and he wasn't willing to give that up as Jesus asked him to do and to come follow him so once again money follows the central belief of the heart but that's just one example where beliefs that we have can prevent us from doing what needs to be to be done. Righteous actions are an outward manifestation of an inward beauty. How I many of you got somebody that you know that you just admire them as a Christian? And I think we, we all have somebody that we just said, wow. Wish I could be like that, or him or her or whatever. And that's good. That says a lot about the person that, that we hold. Um, but we can all become beautiful. We have to beautify the inside. And consequently we need to do that with deeds. And one of the big things we can do is be selfless in that and focus upon God and focus upon others. Control our thinking. Easy to say, not easy to do. Good class.